there are basically two ways for a church to attempt to influence people or to gather a crowd or to grow the church. I'm not saying two biblical ways, just two different philosophies. The first is to try to attract people to come, to have such a a program through the music, some churches do through drama, and uh, through all kinds of things to try to be a magnet so that people will hear about it and it will draw people in. The other method is the method that I believe is described in our text, and that is to go out and scatter the seed and let the seed do its work and the Lord brings them in because we go after them, we reach them. So, so the first one is basically attracting people. And the other one is going out and reaching people. And they're two very different philosophies. Now, I believe that the scriptural way is to reach people because Jesus commanded us to go and spread the gospel, give the gospel to every creature. And so to attract people, I'm talking about through advertising and marketing. I'm not against advertising. I'm not against good marketing. But to rely on that alone to get people to come in, I do not believe is the proper way. One reason is because if you are going to try to attract lost people, you are going to have to use methods that are not not the most scriptural. In other words, uh, what attracts a lost person? Huh? A good a good show, a good sound, a good good music, whatever. You're going to have to have some kind of of an activity that is going to make a person with an unspiritual appetite want to come. And so uh, that could definitely get out of hand because then before you know it, you're doing things that you never would have thought you'd do just to get people to say, hey, I want to go visit that church. But to reach them, you go out there and you try to, by the word of God and the Holy Spirit, change their appetite. So they get saved and they want to go to church and reach them for the Lord. I believe that's the scriptural way. So what we're going to look at tonight from Matthew chapter 13 is Jesus' description of reaching people in the parable of the sower. And we read the passage already, but let me point out two things at the get-go, and then I'm simply going to give you three things. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, all right? I'm going to point out two things. Then I'm going to tell you one thing that I believe is true about this parable. I'm going to give you three things that we don't know, three things that we do know, and that'll be it, all right? Did you get all that? Okay. First of all, Two things that are true of this parable, because Jesus said so. Number one, the seed in this parable is is God's word. A sower went forth to sow, all right? When when I picture planting seed, I picture what I did when I was a boy, and every year my father had this massive garden out behind my grandmother's house, and we would take, uh, if you could picture this being a a rake handle, and uh, we would take that and 
drag it through the, the dirt and about, I guess, a, an inch or two deep. And then we would take the, 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 the things probably that I planted more than anything was uh, uh, bean seeds. And every, everything you grow in a garden, those of you that have done vegetable gardens, you know each thing needs to be done in a different way. For squash and cucumbers, you build this little mound. And, uh, like, and, but uh, beans, you, you made this row. Beep. And then you took the bean seeds and you you uh, did I, I don't remember exactly but uh, I, in my brain it's a couple of seeds every inch or so all the way down. That's what I think of when I think of planting seeds. But that's not what this guy is doing. This guy is carrying a a bag over his shoulder, and that bag is filled with seed. And as he walks. He is reaching into the bag, grabbing handfuls of seed to, to plant wheat and scattering and trying to scatter it even. It's more like how many of you have ever planted uh, grass seed or spread grass seed by hand and you're reaching in and you're, you're scattering, you're reaching in, you're scattering. That's similar to what this man is doing. He is planting weed by scattering it. And you want to, I imagine, I don't know, I've never planted wheat, but I imagine that you want it spread evenly. I imagine that you want it, uh, to, I imagine you want to get it to every inch of the ground, even at the cost of going beyond the ground a little bit and getting it onto the, the pavement or the stone or whatever is on the perimeter there. I would imagine you have to do that a little bit in order to get seed on every inch of ground. Why would you want to waste an inch of ground? I've never planted wheat, but I'm guessing you want to get it to every inch of ground that you possibly can. So the seed is God's word. And then we know this because Jesus said so, that the ground is the human heart. So the seed is God's word and the ground is the human heart. This is very important because this is, if you're in the business of reaching people, not attracting people, but reaching people. If you're in the business of reaching people, it's very important for you to know what you're doing every time you go out and knock on doors. Every time you do something like we did yesterday, every time even you teach a Sunday school class or, or preach a message, every, excuse me, every time to some extent you are a scatterer of the seed. And so it's very important for us to get this picture in our minds. I'll be honest, my, the, the entirety of my ministry for the Lord, the whole time, since very early, I think even before I pastored, I had this picture in my head of this sower, sowing the word, and that's what I'm doing. Every time I go out soul winning, that's what I'm doing. Every time I preach the word of God, that's what I'm doing. Every time the word of God goes out over the airwaves, that's what we're doing. And so I think it's very important for us to get this picture in our heads. The seed is God's word. The ground is the human heart. Now, first of all, I want to give you three things that we don't know. No, I'm sorry. I skipped one thing. Before I give you those three things, I want to tell you something that I believe about this story. I've heard people debate. Of these four groups, you have the, the uh, wayside, you have the stony ground, you have the thorny ground, 
and you have the good ground. Four kinds of ground here. So four kinds of hearts. There's the wayside. That's where people just, you know, we're Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, whatever. Like you guys met, yes, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. They're, now, you don't know, by the way, that they, they, they're not going to get saved. But some people are so dug in, there is no chance whatsoever that they're going to listen to you. That's the wayside. The stony ground, the Bible says, there's not much depth of earth there because just a couple of inches down is stone. That's why, by the way, not that you need to know this, but the the massive tree that came down in our yard last year and totaled both of our cars in the microburst storm on May 15th of uh, 2018 we had just had a Bartlett tree expert come out and look at that. It was a massive tree, and we, we got a price for what it would take to bring it down so that that would never happen. What happened would never happen. It's not an old tree, but it's a huge tree, was. And uh, the Bartlett guy said, now that tree, that tree, you don't have to do anything with that. That tree will never come down. I wish I'd gotten that in writing. But that tree will never come down. Well, you know why it did come down? Because the roots were rooted. It's extremely stony ground in that hillside. And so the roots spread out, but they did not go very deep because of the rock that was there. And so that's what this stony ground is. It's a little bit of soil, and then right away underneath, stone. And so when the seed fell there, it took root, but it couldn't take much root because it was stone underneath. And so when the sun got hot, that plant was scorched and it died. That's the stony ground. That's the human heart that receives the word of God and it takes root, but it doesn't endure. All right. Secondly is the thorny ground. Actually, thirdly, thirdly is the thorny ground. The thorny ground the seed takes root. It grows up. But because nobody weeded, that was something that my father, my uncle, my grandfather drove into my head. You got a weed. It's not good enough to plant. You got a weed. You got to pull those weeds. And that, to me, was the most tedious part of growing vegetables was the weeding. You got to pull those weeds. Why? Because if you don't, the weeds will choke the good plant. And that's what happened here. The seed that fell in the thorny ground, the weeds choked the good plant. And then you've got the good ground. And that's the plant that shot forth and and, uh, produced and, and multiplied and so forth. Now, here is my opinion, because I've heard it debated my whole life, who from those four groups represent the person that really got saved. I believe, this is my opinion, that groups two, three, and four all got saved because they did take root and life came forth. Now, you can disagree with that. That's fine. But I believe, and, you know, I I know that you could say, well, but, yeah, well, wait a second, that the uh, stony ground person, they, they, um, it says they died. You can't lose your salvation. So, and I think that, to be honest with you, is just taking the illustration too far. I think what it's saying is that it springs forth into life, but it, the, the, the faith is not 
abundant is not fruit producing. It doesn't thrive. But I think that person got saved. I don't believe they got saved and lost their salvation because you can't lose your salvation. But they didn't thrive in their faith because they had stony ground. They had a stony heart. Here's the thing. We can debate about which of those four got saved. I say two, or two, three, and four. Some people say just group four got saved. We can debate about it, but the truth is it teaches us a very important truth that only God knows who really gets saved. So to me, that sort of clinches the question anyway. I believe groups two, three, and four because... That gives me hope. I don't want to give up on anybody. I want to believe in everybody. If somebody, okay, somebody prays a sinner's prayer and, and, and uh, trusts the Savior in my, in my presence, I don't want to critique their salvation and say, yeah, but you know what? I think they're stony ground, so they're, they probably didn't realize. Oh, I don't want to get into all that stuff. So I believe my personal opinion that groups two, three, and four represent people that got saved. All right, that's not really important. Here's what is important. Three things that we don't know. As we scatter the seed, ladies and gentlemen, going door to door, passing out tracts during the month of October, just letting you know, we're going to have a, a challenge to get everybody who will to pass out one tract every single day. I'll tell you more about that as the time approaches. We're calling, you ready for this? We're calling it the One Tract Mind Daily Challenge. How about that? Yeah. You know where I got that idea? On my knees. It, wow, it was amazing. So anyway, uh, actually, I, I think I called it one tract per day, and Amy said, how about one tract mind? I said, no, that's dumb, and then I changed it. But anyway... As you pass out tracks, as you knock on doors, as you put out those door hangers, as you teach your Sunday school class, as you are called upon to deal with somebody who raised their hand in a service and give them the gospel, you don't know who will receive it. Something else you don't know. You don't know of people who appear to be receiving it who is genuinely receiving it. Some people will yes you to death just to get you to leave. They, you, they will even pray a prayer just to get you to leave. You don't know if they're genuine. Other people will be appearing to yes you to death. And you're thinking, they're not really, they're not really serious but they wind up coming to church and living for the Lord. You don't know who is genuinely receiving it. So you don't know as you go. You don't know who will receive it. You don't know who is genuinely receiving it. And then you definitely don't know who will grow. And to me, those three things that I don't know, they just push me forward to scatter the seed, keep on scattering the seed, keep on scattering the seed, because I don't know. I don't know who will receive it. I don't know when someone appears to be receiving it, who is genuinely receiving it, and who is not. And I don't know who will grow in the Lord. And the great thing is, I don't have to. Because here's three things that I do know. I know that the power is in the seed and the water.
The seed is the word of God. Now, I threw in the water. Jesus doesn't talk about the water here, but this is from the rest of Scripture. The water is what? The Spirit of God. This is so important, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, a, a preacher, a soul winner, what a track passer-outer, never forget the power is not in your personality. The power is not in your salesmanship or your skill. The power is in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just clarify. I do believe in getting all the skill that you can. Why did Goliath go down and die? Because God did it, right? How many of you think that David never practiced with a slingshot before the day he killed Goliath. Does anybody honestly believe that? I believe David was proficient with a slingshot. I believe David's ability with the slingshot showed that he had a passion for excellence as well his, as his use of the, uh, of the harp and the instruments. David built musical instruments. But I, I believe that clearly David practiced with the slingshot. And mastered the ability to shoot a stone with the slingshot. So did Goliath go down because David was skillful with the slingshot? Or did he go down because God used David's skill? Both. Both. One of the great things we have to understand in all of the Bible is the power and the sovereignty of God Almighty and how it dovetails with man's obedience. Not because we're wonderful, God doesn't need us, but for some reason in his divine will, he has made it that way, that we must obey, and he will use that to accomplish his will. And I don't care what you're talking about. Hey, you say, did, did God write the Bible or did man write the Bible? Both. Every word is God's word, but God used about 40 men and their pens. Did God, okay, did, was, was the young lady Mary, was she a, a virgin because God had uh, ordained for it to, to use her? Or did he use her because she was a virgin? Both. She kept herself by the grace of God. And God used her. I'm saying to you there are so many examples that I could give to you that are a combination, because God planned it this way, of his great power blessing man's efforts. So back to David. David practiced. He didn't know he was going to kill Goliath someday. He knew he wanted to be good with that slingshot. And whatever it is that you're good at or trying to get good at, keep practicing. Keep giving your best. Keep preparing because you don't know when the day's going to come that God says, I need to use that. You've been practicing all these years for this day. By the way, when he uses that skill of yours, 
It'll be all God. If he wants to reward us, that's wonderful, but it's all God when it happens. So let's go back to the sower. Is it the, the way I can win somebody to the Lord, the skills that I use? Okay, I, I saw this recently. Those of you on social media may have seen this too. Some guy that thought he knew everything took a, uh, a video, a training video from a, an old preacher named Carl Hatch and uh, just took it apart and critiqued it, criticized it, slammed Brother Hatch. One of the things he slammed was, was Brother Hatch was teaching a group of people how to win a soul to Christ. And he said, when you ask the person if they are ready to receive Jesus, he said, if it's, a, if, you're, if it's a man talking to a man, put your hand on his shoulder. And when, when you say to him, now, Bob, I, if, if you want to take Jesus as your Savior, I want you to pray. Say, dear God. And he said, when it's his turn to pray, squeeze his shoulder. Letting him know it's your turn. Now, you say, well, that, that's, a, that's a salesmanship tactic. To me, it is a skill of a good communicator. Is that person going to get saved because you squeezed his shoulder? No, he's only going to get saved through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. But does that mean I should use no skills in communicating the gospel? Absolutely not. How many of you would prefer it? Some of you would, so don't raise your hand. How many of you would prefer it to come to church on Sunday morning and just have me read to you in a monotone? Well, that would be boring. Oh, so you're a seasoned Christian, and you want to hear a little animation from the preacher's voice. But you think a lost person is just supposed to respond when we make no effort. God can use a stuttering tongue to bring a lost soul to Christ, but that doesn't mean you should be content to grunt and groan and stutter when if you worked at it a little bit, you could have a pretty nice presentation. So the power is in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Absolutely, always, no exceptions. Nobody's getting saved. Nobody's getting closer to Christ without the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God running the show. But God still wants, if the sower went out and just dumped his bag in a pile, is the power of the seed and the rain going to produce a great crop? No, it's not. We have a responsibility to do our very best. So, I know that the power is in the seed and the word and the water. That is the word and the spirit. Uh, something else I do know is that everybody needs it. There's nobody in this city. There's nobody in this state. There's nobody in this country. There's nobody in this world who does not need the message of the gospel. So there's no reason for me to hold back. There's no reason for me to be. Now, you know, I'm not going to go sow the seed in the parking lot out here because I know nothing is going to grow there. But the truth is, 
there is no place where people are, there's no human heart that I can point to and say, well, that's just a parking lot. That's a paved parking lot. He's not going to get saved. No, everybody, every human heart needs the seed. So I know that the power is in the seed and the water, the word and the spirit. I know that everybody needs it. And I know that I'm commanded to scatter the seed. Jesus said, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. That's Jesus' command to scatter the seed. Can I urge you, Christian, for your sake, when you stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, let there be some part of your week where you are scattering the seed. Whether it's passing out one tract every day, whether it's riding the Wednesday night soul winning bus, or going out on bus visitation on Saturday morning, whatever you do, let some portion of your week be devoted to scattering the seed. Scattering the seed. Getting the word of God out there. The power is in the seed. The word and the spirit. Everybody needs it. And I am commanded to scatter the seed. Listen, whatever other responsibility you have in our church, I beg you to also be a ski, a skied, a skied satterer. A seed scatterer, not to strengthen the church. I don't mean that. But so that when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be glad that you did. I'm going to say this and we're all done. I praise the Lord that we have a church of seed scatterers. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And success is in the obedience Success is not, we don't, we don't try to do what works here. What? That sounds crazy. No, we're not trying to do what works. We're trying to do what we're commanded to do. We want to scatter the seed to every last one of the 85,000 plus people that live inside this city and to every town that surrounds it. And when they did the research for the, uh, to see if we could put a, a, a radio station here, what was that? Uh, it's been seven or eight years ago now. But they said within a 15 mile radius, I believe it was, lives 117,000 people. We want to make sure that the seed of God's word gets to every last one of them. That's our responsibility. We're not doing it because we think it works or it doesn't work. We're doing it because that's what we've been commanded to do. And let God bring the increase. Thank you for being, see, I almost said it again, seed scatterers. Thank you for being faithful spreaders of the gospel message. Thank you for investing your prayers. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. I know that's an Old Testament verse but how can you not apply that to what we do as sowers of the seed? Jesus said scatter the seed. Father I pray that you'd help us please.